209th episode of Absolute Absec. I'm Ken Johnson at CK Tricky on Twitter, joined by my co-host Seth Law at Seth Law on Twitter. Seth, say hi. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. We're super excited to be here. We have James Wickett joining us today. Um, where we're going to get into his background and all things uh, security here shortly. Um, before we do that, we do have a couple of announcements. Um, first off, as we've mentioned in, you know, in the past, there are still seats available for our training at DEFCON, Practical Secure Code Review, runs the two days after uh, DEFCON, and we would love to see you there. This is the first time we're doing a public course in a while, right? I think since KernelCon, so March or so, um, but would love to have uh, you know anyone that listens to the podcast there and subscribe to talk through how we do manual secure code reviews. Um, otherwise... Ken's looking sharp with the new glasses, and I think we can, well, oh, actually, right, like we are going to do um, um, sponsorships, right? I do have sponsor copy, so I can't forget that at this point, right, um, because these are guys that make it possible. Um, sponsored, uh, yeah. Okay, so <laughs> episode AppSec, uh, this episode is sponsored by Redpoint Security, Um and from Redpoint, have you ever, have you been looking to bolster your application security or improve your organization's security program? Well, then you should check out our sponsor, Redpoint Security. Redpoint specializes in code security for coders, bolstered by years of experience testing in web and mobile applications. It also offers developer training to help ground your software teams in better security practices to improve CICD results, as well as the overall maturity of your security program. So please check out redpointsecurity.com for more information and put your company and developer teams on a path to better security. Thanks to Redpoint for sponsoring this episode. All right, uh, Ken, with that, um, yeah, I think we should introduce James. I know the two of you are fairly uh, familiar with each other, so, uh, you know. Know each other a little bit. Know know each other a little bit, um, seeing as, you know, dry run is a thing, so... Yeah, do you want to you want to give uh, James an introduction, and then we'll actually let James speak since he's going to take over the episode from there, right, James? Oh, yeah, that's good. Good to hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So James Wicked is my co-founder uh, over at Dry Run Security, but um, so James has done a lot, you know. So first of all, he's very prominent speaker. Um, was the uh, you know part of that initial crew that launched uh, LastCon. Um, heavily uh involved during the early days and and i don't know probably beyond that uh, as well uh with dev uh devops uh days in austin um i think you had a hand at some point in DevSecOps as well uh course on linkedin learning for devops um content uh with is it is that one that's with the uh, earnest i do that with earnest is that correct so, you know, tons of tons of views there, uh, produced a lot of good content and, uh, you know, great, great training course. Uh, highly, highly recommend. Uh, I mean, I could keep, continue on and keep going, but I'll just the last thing I'll kind of say here is, you know, James and I first met like, I don't know, we'll say 10 years ago or so. Um, and, you know, basically, James was running the OWASP uh, group out there um, organizing it in Austin. Uh, I had built Rails Goat and uh, alongside um, Mike McCabe as well. Uh, but yeah, built built Rails Goat. James had me out there. 
And uh, that was when we first met and then started bringing James out to uh, Nova and DC meetups uh, out here where I'm at. And uh, the rest is history. Also, oh, I guess it's not the last thing. The, the, the very last thing I'll say is that James was like employee, like after the founders, like the first employee, right? At Signal Sciences or something like that. Yeah. 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 And obviously an amazing exit with Signal, Signal Sciences and a really cool product, really cool team. Um, and uh, all good things. So with that having been said, Hi, James. Welcome to this <laughs> podcast for the first time ever. Hi, hi, thank you. Yeah, I'm glad to be on the, be on the show and uh, appreciate it, guys. And yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. Nope, no problem. So I we always like origin stories, right, okay. James? I, that, that's kind of, um, you know, especially if first time people are on the podcast. Um, obviously, Ken and I are familiar with you, you know, and, you know, everything that we've kind of done together over the know over the course of the last few years but for those of us or for those listening that uh, you know that don't know you um you know first off like how did you get into you know security and programming like what is your background where did that actually start where did your interests start and we'll go from there yeah yeah well th- thanks uh yeah, thanks again for having me on the show and i'll, I'll kind of I, I was thinking about this because ken was asking me like oh we like to we do cover the origin stories and i was like yeah that's right okay um and it's funny when you start thinking about how do you get involved in something? And sometimes you look back and you think, how, how did I end up here? Right. How did I, how did I end up in, in, in the, this, this uh, kind of was once kind of a weird niche of uh, security, particularly application security. And, and uh, you know, it's like, you'd, you'd have to tell people you're like interested in security. They're like, Oh, okay. You're really into firewalls or into hacking stuff. Well, it's like, I don't know. I mean, kind of maybe, you know, so it's always that, that moment. But um, yeah, I, I set off uh, in going to college at the University of Oklahoma to be a chemical engineering major pre-med. I was like, I was like, okay, I'm going to maybe be a, maybe a doctor on, on, or, or something. I thought was the idea. And I realized pretty quickly, I was not cut out for either of those lines of work. Uh, you know, was, uh, in Oklahoma, being a chemical engineering uh, major generally leads to like, uh, you know, working in the oil and natural gas, uh, uh, you know, on, on the rigs or the fields or wherever. And or uh, in, in, a, in a refinery or something. So I thought, you know, I really like computers. Maybe I should try this this whole you know computer thing instead. So I switched, you know, after after a bit there, and and really got involved with um, um, you know helping out. I'd already been been doing some um, through through high school, but I got a job at the uh, business college working in the computer labs. And so like you know, it's like. Uh, Got to make sure the printer has enough paper and um, got to make sure that like people can reset their passwords or whatever it was. Right. And um, we were ghosting all the machines and um, and I, yeah, I did that for a, a few months. And then they had some options for like you could make an extra like I think it was like, I don't know, a buck 50 or two dollars extra an hour if you would go be like a junior sysadmin. And I was like, oh, I can do that. It turns out what that really means is like when the professors like. AV stuff breaks, you got to go in there and fix all the junk. Or um, we did have one professor that he liked to like, uh, I, I think he was like in the uh, energy day trading uh, thing. Like uh, he was an energy <laughs> broke uh, equipment very regularly, mice, keyboards, stuff like that, slamming against the wall, whatever. I'm, I'm assuming losing money or who knows what, right? Uh, please don't sue me, University of Oklahoma. I have no idea what he was doing. But for some reason, this guy went through keyboards all the time. But so you'd have to like go triage that kind of sort of scenario pretty often and um 
uh, you know, there's the Windows, there's the Windows admins, and they they had kind of had like uh, every now and then. Okay, during the summers, they gave us extra privileges so we could set up you know things in our uh, in our system and do all the Active Directory stuff. And and this was in you know early 2000s, right? So you know, I was thinking about all the I didn't go look them up, but you know all the different worms that were going around, and you know we have like Windows XP, and we're like there's one you know frantic it's like everybody come to the you know come to the office or whatever on on a saturday to go shut everything down right and turn you know like we're going to do patching and stuff and and this kind of stuff so i learned early that uh both security was important and and fun and i also learned i didn't want to be a windows admin too at the same time (laughs) i learned like actor director was not where i wanted to spend my life and so um i had an internship with ibm and i got stuck on a documentation project and i thought that wasn't that wasn't a ton of fun either um, and then, uh, but out of school, I, I started at down here in Austin, Texas, uh, moved straight to work at National Instruments and National Instruments had a good reputation at the time for like, you know, taking people from uh, straight out of school and kind of training them up and giving them responsibilities. And I was able to, uh, through, through that time, join the uh, web systems team. And so we were supporting NI.com, which I, I think at the time it was doing like a hundred million or, or more of, you know, dollars in on the website. Um, so we had the catalog and search and, you know, a bunch of developers that were associated with it, all the IT programs with it. And, it, you know, IT is, uh, or, or National Instruments is um, test and measurement gear for, for folks. And so you know, like to assemble all your, your, your stuff, like uh, it's kind of, it's complicated, right? So you need recommendation engines, forums to be like, hey, here's how you do it. And, um, and it's gear that, you know, scientists and engineers are buying. So um, we were always like just adding new features to the site. And of course the site was going down and we had all these like classic DevOps problems where like, you know, the Linux admins kind of set in their row with like the lights off, you know, and <laughs> network admins. Uh, yeah. Right. The, the network admins were like, cool. They're, they're over there. Nobody really talked to them. And like our, uh, their boss like was adamant that we can't do drug testing uh, for them, you know, and I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> Um, and, uh, and then there's like the windows admins people, you know, that they're doing their, their, their thing. Right. And so, uh, but on the web systems team, we were really in like, in early days, we were, we were dotted line reporting in like we, our direct managers were in it, but really our mm-hmm. charter and really the money to pay for us came out of marketing. Cause they were like, when, when the site is down, we lose money. Right. And so those the Linux admins, like they're racking and jack in the middle of the day. They don't care. Like if stuff's down, they're just like, oh, it's just some web servers. Who cares? Right. Um, but like it's actual money affecting the business. So that was our, our charter to be brought in at that that time. Did that for several years. Some of uh, my my friendships uh, that came out of that or one of them was uh, Ernest Muller, who I teach that DevOps uh, course with. Um, worked, went to work for a, another small startup in between um, a media uh, startup, but then uh kind of in like the 2009, 2010, we sort of got the charter for like, hey, do some cloud stuff, right? And we're like, okay, cool, we can we can do that. And, um, and so from, let's see, 2000, and that time, like DevOps had just kind of started to become a thing. 2009, like that was the, uh, that was that uh, 10 deploys a day that John Allspot gave at, at uh, Velocity Conference. And we were going to that. Um, I remember going to um, South by Southwest here in Austin, uh, Texas, and sitting like 10 feet away from, you know, Werner Vogels talking about this thing called the Amazon cloud. And it's like, I'm like, man, it's a good idea. It sounds like, you know, something we should try. Right. And it's like, yeah. it no, that like, idea might work out someday. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> no, I had actually just been, 
for this little like media startup, I had just been searching for like uh, data center space. I was like, man, this is going to be really expensive and really problematic. And how are we going to do this? And, uh, and I was like, oh, I can rent a virtual machine in, in the in the cloud or whatever. Okay, it's fine. That sounds cool. Like that's what I would like. I would like to do that. Um, we'd still we kind of saw that move to virtualization while I was still at National Instruments of like. Um, you know, somebody comes to us and they have an idea. Okay, we need to deploy a new service. It's like, okay, great. Uh, you know, what, how much is it going to cost? Well, here's it's going to cost you like, yeah, I don't know, five thousand, ten thousand dollars, whatever, to get the server servers or whatever you need to to buy. Once Dell, once we place the order with Dell, it's six weeks for it up and running, and they're like, well, we need it in two weeks. I'm like, that's impossible, you know. But um, but the the idea was always that oh, it's uh, because you know. Dell's got to put it all together and they ship it out to you. And then, you know, then when we rack in the jacket and put it all in place and it's ready to go. And I didn't think on this podcast, I'd say the words racking and jacking twice in the same. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like when you start thinking about the past, like how far we've come, but um, that, you know, it was like six weeks. Like we try to like streamline the process as much as we could, but like six weeks is what it just, what it took from like the, the Linux people to do their thing to the, the networking, the storage, the backups, the, you know, whatever. Right. And then we, and so, so that's, that was kind of our, like that, that was that, that moment we moved to virtualized infrastructure and guess what? You want to know how long it took to put a server in place once you had like VMs, VMs there, it took six weeks, you know, it's like, yeah, like, you get your VM and then they still had to do all the same process to it. And, and then like, but the world's changing and we're thinking, well, we need to provide cloud services for our customers. Um, we're, um, we're providing like uh, uh, dashboards for like people that are running like their national instruments gear on their wind farms or, or anything like that. We had a FPGA compile cloud where you could, you could send it up to our machines and we would, we would, do the compile across a bunch of different nodes and then give you different versions of that and bake it for them. So this was really, really a fun time. And we, we sort of got a blank check and we got moved out of it and into R and D and said, just, you know, do, do stuff to deliver, you know, cloud services for uh, uh, our environment. They didn't really care. The, the business didn't know anything about DevOps. They didn't know anything about, um, uh, any any way that we organized ourselves, all they wanted were these like products to start working with like backend SaaS type services, and um, we we had been fortunate enough uh, being in here in Austin. Like one of the original ops camps uh, happened here, and like Chef uh, Chef and Puppet, their both their founders were there, and like John Willis was here in town, and like in the back of a bar, they're all like, okay, we're gonna all like here's what we're gonna do this thing called DevOps, and DevOps, you know, there's it's already started to become a thing, but they're like, yeah, we really believe in it, we're gonna all care about it. Um, I met Gene Gene Kim, uh, who probably your your audience really knows knows really well, um, but also in a bar, and I think at a, a Dave Nielsen planned a cloud camp, you know, and I, I got to speak at it. And then I'm talking about like security and DevOps and how it should work together. And Gene and I kind of become fast friends through through that moment. Um, I mean, there's like 14 people in the audience at that point. It's like, so Gene's just there because he's like, you know, so I, I sometimes think back. It's like, well, just living in Austin, like at that time was a, was a really good time. I know South by Southwest is huge now and the, the tech scene is very, you know, very, um, uh, you know, has a lot of voices in it here in Austin, but you rewind to those early days, like back, even Ken, when we had you come speak, uh, and at, uh, OWASP Austin, it's like, 
you know, we didn't even have like security conferences that you could speak of that you would be like proud to be like, Hey, yeah, that's a security conference. We had, we had one conference and I'm forgetting the name of it, but it like rotated between, um, Austin, Dallas, yeah, Houston. And, um, I think it was like, okay, well, but, but it is a lot lot of it was like backed up, you know, disaster recovery type stuff. And that was kind of our security Mm -hmm. conference that kind of, fine. It's fine conference, but like uh, I met Jeremiah Grossman in a basement in a, in a, at the Hyatt at that conference, you know, and he was like, Hey, you, you want to, you want to come work for me? You just got to move to California. And I was like, Oh, that's, that's, that's amazing. But like, like I was getting exposed to all these ideas, like, and really realizing that like application security is really important Um, through our work with, with OWASP. We were kind of seeing more and more of like, just like our first trial, we're like, well, let's have a conference about it, like this last con thing, you know, and let's have the, the Lone Star Application Security Conference and sort of structure it in a way that's kind of like what they do for like uh, Ruby Conference or kind of like more just for some of these other dev conferences. Uh, and that was, our, that was our, our way to to get started and get the community rolling, you know, and then uh, it's been, we've been fortunate that like now Austin really has kind of grown and, and blossomed into more like a security friendly space, you know, devs and, you know, startup uh, friendly space. Um, yeah, so that's where I've been. Um, where else can I say? I feel like I've been talking a while, but, um, you know, that's, that's, I guess when you're old, this is what happens. And then I, I started um, uh, doing the DevOps days thing with Ernest uh, and Karthik uh, and uh, also like Peko and Bill. And we have a little um, site that we mostly Ernest uh, writes on, but every now and then we contribute called the Agile Admins and uh, um, we kind of work, do some uh, stuff together there and yeah we, we started this devops the devops days journey really just out of the, the desire to like help the local austin community much like we did with, with LastCon, you know and we're like okay like security has to do this and our first uh first foray into to devops days was in 2012 uh i remember we had two security talks which was kind of a that was a big deal back then because like security wasn't really part of devops at that point but we said, all right, let's bring in uh, Nick Galbraith, who uh, later, you know, founded Signal Sciences, and then um, James Turnbull, uh, both both giving like security keynotes, and that sort of kind of blew everybody's mind. I mean, this is probably I don't know is, and the, there's only been like a couple of DevOps days ever in the world to happen at that time, right? So we were like number five or six, right? a couple in yeah. Valley, I think one in. Um, one in like the Philippines or somewhere, I, you know, but so it was like, it was just sort of so new that people were just like, what, what is this thing? So, yeah. um, and then we, we just kept kind of growing it from there, trying to help the community, trying to help people get involved in it. Um, and we got, we got lucky that uh, somebody saw um, some stuff that Ernest and I had done. Uh, I, in one of his, one of the posts we were written about like, what is DevOps helping people try to find it? And they said, Oh, you want to teach this thing for lynda.com, which lynda.com, later got acquired by LinkedIn Learning or became LinkedIn Learning and, you know, LinkedIn got acquired by Microsoft. So um, we just thought, well, DevOps has been really meaningful in our career. It helped us like no longer have this crazy like on-call schedule that was like, that was not working. We were kind of bridging, bridging boundaries between people. Um, it, it helped us like kind of form, form a new language, a new style of work, the way we were collaborating. Um you know, there are some, some bumps along the way, but like all in all, like we were just really glad to have found it and to find kind of like, you know, when you kind of find people that are like you and your tribe, you're mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, like, you, you know, it's like you, you work at this, this other spot where I work over here and but we all are having the same problem. Like we're all like 
eight in our lives because of like this 24 seven, you know, on call rotation or, or whatever it is that's going on. And uh, so we decided like, Hey, we'll teach this, this course on lynda.com. And um, it, it got pretty good reception, but then after LinkedIn learning bottom and then, and then uh, Microsoft acquisition as well, just, and, and the growth of DevOps, like we've had, um, we've had a couple revisions of the course. We're doing like a whole like refresh of the course coming up in the, uh, in the fall. Um, but just in the last two years, since the last refresh, like 400,000 people have taken the course and then the data is lost at the time before that, but we kind of estimate somewhere close to a million people have taken the course is kind of the, the rough guess, but the, uh, the metrics are, you know, not, not completely there, but, um, so it's been, it's been really like an, an honor to, to be part of that for people to help them kind of experience DevOps, to help them see, you know, we're, we're translated in a few different languages on that course. Um, and have you, you know, heard you, wait, 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 we got to yeah. pause for a second there, though. Yeah. You heard yourself in yes. other languages stabbed yes. over. Yes. We, <laughs> first, I have a little bit of a competition, like who gets the good voice actor versus who gets the bad voice actor, you know? And so, um, or, or the, the more desirable voice actor, they're, they're all good, you know? Um, and you know, we don't speak the language, so we don't really know what they're, you know, you know which one is better or not. But, um, so we, we do kind of have some jokes on that, but, um, I think in Spanish, I got the good one. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> you sound very, uh, it doesn't sound very majestic, very uh, representative of, uh, yeah. yeah. The, the, the couple things I take away so far, by the way, are keeping your ear to, ear to the ground on um, sort of problem spaces and, and new things coming out and uh, lat latching on to new ways to solve problems. And then secondly, networking. Like mm -hmm. it's, I mean, honestly, and you know, I know you, so I'd say that's definitely a huge uh, asset of yours. But uh, for those listening who are earlier in their career, I think one of the questions, you know, that always comes up are like, what, how do I kind of like build that network? And hmm. yeah, how do I do those things? And it, and honestly, a lot of this is, you mentioned several times, just like offhand meeting some of the people that are, you know, very well known, we'll say, uh, I don't want to call them rock stars or whatever, but you know, really well known uh, in their industry folks. And it's just because you like went out there to these conferences where, yeah, they're trying to solve similar problems, but also in new ways. Yeah. Anyways, those are my two takeaways for, for some success there. Yeah. Yeah. The interesting thing, I mean, for me, right. Like um, obviously like, you know, we've seen similar paths and we've talked to a lot of people about it, but the kind of this uh, running theme with people that seem to be successful is the ability to just go out and solve the problems that are in front of them. Right. Like, um, and even though it like, it's a small community at a time specializing or, you know, actually diving in with other people that are interested, trying to solve that same problem leads to more and more just like community building and everything else. And don't be afraid of that. Right. Just because there's not a solution that's out there that, that fits doesn't mean that it's not something that's worth investing your time in. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, um, yeah, I appreciate that. And I, I don't even know if it's like something that I sit around thinking like, Oh, that's, that's what, that's what helps make, you know, success happen or something like that. I don't even know. I mean, I, what I think that more, more so it's like, I, I, I find myself naturally generally caring about other people. And so like, that's, I just want to like help other people. And I know sometimes like in our industry, it's like, it's easier to kind of be, 
uh, you know, uh, head down trying to work on the thing that's in front of you or kind of like being overloaded at work. That's a real, that's a very, very common, you know? And so um, trying to find those moments where you can like go to the, go to that user group, you know, help, help somebody, teach somebody something, something else, be a way, find a way to like that you can help contribute to, you know, the improvement of, of somebody else's life. Right. I think those, those are the moments. I mean, I mean, both of y'all are, are community builders. I mean, look at this show, right. You're trying to help kind of help, the, the community at, at large with that. So, you know, I know that, um, I know people appreciate that a lot because it sort of takes us out of our smaller sphere of the things that we're, you're doing from our day to day and thinking like at the larger level, like, like here, right. Nationally, right. Like how do we think about like the problem space, uh, that we're dealing with? But, um, even if you're, if you're a listener here and you're like, okay, well, I'm, you know, I'm positioned in, you know, XYZ city. Well, how, how do you make, you know, XYZ city a little bit better, right. For, um, for other people that are like you or that are, um, that are dealing with some of the similar problems that you might be having, or, uh, or maybe that like, even if they're like tangential problems, you know, it's like, how do you, how do you kind of gather a little bit of that community together? Um, cause it, it, it helps. And, and it's pretty rewarding to, to hear the stories from people that, um, you know, like sometimes we get people, right. Let, let Ernest and I know like, Oh, Hey, we took your, your course and I switched jobs and made a whole new career out of DevOps or, uh, you know, I was in the, uh, in the military and I wanted to move into like, I got this, you know, tech sales role and I didn't you know a clue about any, have any clue about DevOps. And that was really helpful for me or, or, you know, even like marketing people or other folks that have been able to just get the vocabulary down. And it's like that, that sort of stuff's really rewarding to help, uh, to help people, even people that aren't, exactly and kind of maybe the, the target audience that you you know intend for your efforts to hit um we run this little thing and it's we've been doing it for oh geez i don't know maybe almost the whole time of of uh well i guess we started maybe maybe seven or eight years um but in austin we have this thing called pay talk where um we'll kind of let everybody like write you write down your salary and then you kind of drop it in a bucket and you're tie your level and then we post them on a board and we have like a little open space inside of our devops days and and like stuff like that's really helpful for the community to realize like oh i'm vastly underpaid like i need to go you know do something else right or uh, oh i i want to get to that point like how do i do that right and there's other people that i know are in this room who could help me you know with that we hear stories uh, you know, real success stories coming out, out of that uh, on a regular, on a regular basis. But like you, you find like those community things that, that you can take part in. Yeah. I mean, actually, now that you mentioned that at that conference around the same time, they mentioned uh, pay talk, they had also uh, had. Um, so, so I'm referring to DevOps days, Austin, um, for those listening uh, in the same space, they had talked about how, um, I can't remember his name. He had this great short, he wrote, read a poem, gave a little bit of a, like, a, this is the reason that we all like get together and just solve problems because uh, one idea like DevOps changes everything. Yeah. Um, you're, you're Boyd, I think. Boyd Hippel. Yes. Yes. That sounds correct. Yes. Um, and anyway, so that was cool. Like everybody kind of broke out into groups and said, this is the problem we're going to try and solve today. And I love that. And I think that's kind of the, you know, it's a lot of what you've talked about is just honestly picking a problem that people have and teaming up with with others to to solve it. So, yeah. well, it is a fun story about Boyd. If you don't know, there's one DevOps stage. I don't remember what year it was, but like he gets on stage with like a stack of the Phoenix Project book from Gene Kim, and he's just like, and he's like, we have a 
give your uh, little uh, like lightning talk time. And he's like, a man wrote a story about your life. Read it. And then he just started generally chunking books into the crowd, like at people, right? Like they're hardback, you know, books. <laughs> That's that, awesome. Memory is like, like the t-shirt cannon, but not t-shirts. You're like, oh, this is not, okay, boy. Please more painful. <laughs> this. I, uh, you know, so, so, someone's not paying attention at all. Some yeah, broken nose, right? Yeah, that's I look at your phone while boys on stage. You know, you see, he gets up there. People are like you can see the nervous tick when he gets on stage, even today. He's like, is he going to throw something at us? You know, so. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it was, it was a fun. It was a fun conference because of the people that that all came there. I think they a lot of people had the same mentality as you, just trying to just trying to help, just trying to yeah, trying yeah. to improve things. Yeah. Awesome. Well, it's kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I think that's, I don't know, I mean, you know, starting to see that in more places, right. Um, across the country, like some of the smaller meetup groups and things like that. Um, I, and I think that's one thing that we, you know, when you're working so hard, you're working for a company in a place, which isn't traditionally like one of the tech hubs, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you kind of get this feeling that you're isolated, that there's no one around that understands the problems that you're having, but just starting to have that conversation, going to whatever security meetup or Linux meetup or whatever is actually in your town, you're going to find people that have the same issues. Um, yeah, like, you know, I, we always laugh here in Salt Lake City that our like local OWASP meetup is really just, uh, you know, AppSec support group because everybody comes to just sit together and bitch about like all the problems they're, they're having but we've seen that grow from what started at you know three or four people to you know regularly having 20 plus people that show up for it even though it's a very informal type meetup right like we'll have a talk once in a while but most of it is just like guys what problems are we having right like i'm dealing with this let's talk about it for an hour because like other people are out there that have the same problem and it's just encouraging to see that happen in in the spaces that we're currently in right it's in, and i'm with you james it's all about that community building and just you know getting your voice out there not being shy about what the problems are that you're having yeah yeah that's great that can be hard too like uh to just for me anyways it's it's not easy to just like approach random people and mm-hmm. introduce yourself and make those connections but James, that is definitely something I, I, I mean, you're a hundred percent comfortable in. Is that natural or did you like work on that? Or yeah, I'm very mm. curious. Yeah. Well, that's, that's kind of a deep cut question. I should be eating like, yeah. you know, <laughs> extrovert, introvert, like, what are you, James? Yeah, let's feel, get, let's I, get to the core of it. Yeah. I feel like I, I kind of rank more usually in the uh, extroverted side of things. Um, uh, my wife's really good at it. Like um, she used to be a general manager for a, a newspaper and uh, I would have to go out um, to these like, you know, evening business events. And I would just like, I would get stuck talking to like one or two people that I could kind of pick out of the crowd as like, they're also engineers or tech people, you know, I'm pretty good at that actually. And uh, um, like, Oh, my people, you know? So, um, but then um, she would just like work the whole room. Right. And then like, two hours later, she comes back, you know, she's had, you know, 80 conversations or whatever. And, you know, some, some sponsors, some, you know, city people, some whatever, just, just had to go do all the things. And, and so, um, I don't know. So I, I definitely got some of that like osmosis through just like being a part of that and seeing like, okay, how, how do you uh, help, um, make that, 
how do you how do you do that activity right because it doesn't just come like you have to build up that muscles it's not nobody really is just natively great at it right she had somebody show her how to do that it's like it's just sort of a process but um i think in the tech world um you can really make a difference and or you can really find a way to do this by challenge yourself to like give like a small talk like a, a five minute you know talk or um or if you're going to one of those meetups like bring up a question and show something or do something like somehow like, like, you know, participate in with, with your own, with your own voice and be a part of that. Right. Because um, we all like to solve problems, right. Or we like to, or, or discover problems or whatever. Like that's, that's what, why we're in this industry. Like we're all happy about that. So, um, you know, being, being open and saying like, Oh, Hey, I'm, I am having this problem or, Oh, Hey, look, I found out this cool new thing to, to do X, Y, Z. Right. Um, I've, um, um, you know, I, I've given like, you know, stuff like, here's how I got my Vim stuff set up talks before, you know, way back in the day. Right. Or, um, I don't know. I, I feel like those are, those are some like ways that like, if you're kind of getting started, this is your, 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 um, you know, early in your career, you know, look for those spots where you can give some sort of, uh, some sort of small talk, uh, and, and participate because then, uh, other people will approach you out of that. And then you're not, you don't even have to go and approach them. Like you're kind of, you're kind of seeding that out there. Right. Uh, and if that's something you need help with or whatever, like, you know, reach out, I'd be happy to like, you know, give some advice on, on anything like that. Or if there's a presentation you want to give or something. Yeah. Hit, hit me up on, on Twitter. Is, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say you're in our Slack. So if people want yeah. to DM you for any reason, they totally can. Yeah. So, yeah. hey, can I ask you, because we didn't get to this and you didn't mention it, uh, okay. Gauntlet. Where does Gauntlet fit in this timeline of your origin story? And what was the reason behind it? And if you could just tell, you know, kind of explain what Gauntlet was. And yeah, we're, like I said, where it fit in your timeline and their purpose. Yeah. Okay. That's that's a good point. Yeah. I was thinking about like, oh, I didn't really, really say much about that. Um, in so we are in that kind of 2009, 2010 spot. We're chartered to build out cloud services. We're, um, um, I, I've kind of always been the, uh, like, the, like, cause I come from like more of a sysadmin background and then it's like, all right, you, you are, you were also a security person, right? It's like, uh, so I got, uh, you know, I did like the certification process and did some of that, um, stuff and, and, um, helped like set up our, um, you know, way back in the day, like our Citrix Netscaler with the, the WAF stuff turned on and I broke everything and it's like, you know, that, that kind of stuff. So, so fast forward, we're like, okay, new charter, we're doing cloud stuff. We're doing this thing called, you know, DevOps and security has got to be part of the story. Uh, our customers aren't going to like trust us like with their compile cloud data or their telemetry data off their windmills or wind farms or anything like that. If we're not, if we don't have a, a solid story with that. So um, really I started we started, uh, we worked with some consulting groups to do like, Hey, let's do like a threat model exercise just to help get our teams, you know, you know, bought in on that. Uh, we try to automate security testing, ran, ran some scanners. Uh, but it was in that moment where I'm like, yeah, there should be a better way. I'd been to some, um, Ruby conferences. I had seen like how cucumber works and I was like, Oh, okay. Like, so BDD security, maybe they could like coexist. And that was kind of the genesis of that idea of like, okay, maybe, um, 
maybe developers and security and operations people could all like collaborate around these these things, these gauntlet attack files, where they could just sort of in plain English sort of say like, here's how I run like my scanner. Here's how I run my test. Here's the auth that I'm going to try. Um, and so through the, the process, uh, um, Mani uh, Tadian and I uh, and um, Karthik has also helped out with that as well. And we were all sort of just kind of really interested in that uh, that problem. And that was like around the time of 2012 for um, uh, for you know AppSec USA, and um, which was here in Austin uh, for that that time. So that was kind of like in that moment. That's when we we're we're all sort of just you know really curious about how that could work. Um, found some people really resonated with that and were able to like use that and, and try that out. Um, we later put in like containers so people could run, uh, so could run kind of containerized workloads uh, on that. So you don't have to like worry about installing the scanners or doing any of that kind of stuff. So we, we keep the, keep the project. Um, it hasn't really had a lot of updates lately because it's sort of been in that stable or we're, we're kind of, uh, locked in like an, on an older version of Cucumber. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where that, that project has has been and kind of formed over time. Yeah, I know that Seth, you did something similar with uh, with Sputter. I don't remember the timeline. Yeah, uh, yeah that was, was after that. that yeah, that was probably 2014, somewhere around there, 2013. Similar. Yeah, but, you know, similar idea um, that you know, I ran out of dev cycles, right? Like, you know, the, the traditional problem there. Yeah, right. Yeah. 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 But it would be, it would be interesting to, to look into some of that. Cause I mean, there's, there still is a need with, with it, right? Like, you know, when you start talking about what an AppSec pipeline looks like, I CICD stuff too. So, um, cool. Yeah. yeah absolutely. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm going to have to go look at it. Yeah, and it's nice to because I, I just find it funny because I know like we've I've, you've said it a million times on the podcast, Seth, that like uh, you know <laughs> AppSec is just glorified QA testers, and 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 when yep. you start seeing two people that I respect build essentially they like tooling QA testing tools, yeah, empowering secure uh, developers to do like QA testing tools, it's like all right, well, yeah, like maybe there's something to that, right? So it's QA, sorry. Yeah security QA style uh, testing. So yeah. it's just kind of, yeah, it's just funny. It's well, it, funny to, to think about. It's that thought like developers really care about quality. Uh, security is a function of quality. Uh, developers do care about security. We just give them like really weird ways to, to do it. Um, we, we as like the, the industry at large and uh, we, we test way after they've written the code. That's like a, not, not a great, you know, feeling for them. Um, or we'll, um, you know, kind of give, give a lot of like output that doesn't really make a lot of sense. Uh, you know, y'all, y'all know this, your audience already knows, knows, these yeah. problems. but, but it's that like developers and security, not able to, uh, to kind of work around kind of the same language or the same, you know, format. Like, so like when I would, put a uh, gauntlet test. So, so I would write gauntlet stuff for, for national instruments. And then also, uh, you know, later at signal sciences, we had some, some gauntlet uh, stuff that happened inside of our pipeline. Right. It's like, okay, before you deploy, um, like it has to, has to pass all these gates. Uh, now we didn't block uh, at signal sciences. We didn't block on, on that. We said, all right, like, just as long as you um, have it run, like you can kind of keep on pushing it through. 
And, but we would find like people really started to trust it and started to see like, oh, like we, we had, um, we had some issues where like we had a kind of a pretty well-known vulnerability uh, kind of on our main dashboard. And then we're like, okay, let's, let's write some tests that like always checks that for every build, every deploy. Uh, yeah. And uh, so that, that was, that was our, you know, that was part of the pattern that we, that we started using. And you could see that it really helped uh, the team as we were working. Uh, it's like, oh, hey, look, the gauntlet stuff didn't, didn't turn green for some reason. I don't know, maybe the, the container went bad or whatever, right? And, and, uh, and it wasn't blocking, but it certainly informed their decision-making on, oh, should I still push this deploy forward? Should I dig in a little deeper to figure out what the heck's going on here? So it helped. I think help. if you, you hit on a... Sorry, what was that last part? It helped spark that conversation, you know. So uh, that was that was always good for, for the team. Yeah, actually, just sparking a conversation uh, amongst the two different groups is pretty pretty important. And I mean, you you know, like this is this is let's 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 just call it out. You you said developers care about care about security, and not everybody yeah. believes that, obviously. And of course, that's a painting with broad strokes. You can't apply a general statement to everybody. All those caveats aside. But yeah, typically, you know, it's, it's, uh, I think there, especially I'll say this with all the, the almost overly played out with the whole empathy for, you know, like if, if it's DevOps, if it's a software developer conference, if it's security, you, you see all these talks about empathy. So, so maybe with all those talks about empathy, people are starting to understand one another. But um, in any case, I, I guess where I'm going with this is that I do think you're, you're right. Um, in my opinion, I do think developers, again, painting with a broad, a broad brush here or broad strokes, but um, they do care about security. But having said that, yeah, it's 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 like, what have we done for them traditionally? And right? and that and that's exactly what I wanted to tie into, right? Like the tooling, James, that you bring up, and you know, as a developer, security tools are like. They're one of the worst things to add to your pipeline from an efficiency perspective. And, you know, I, yeah, like you look at Dast, you look at SAST, what has traditionally been, hey, these are the security gates that I have to cross. And I mean, like, I can't tell you the number of nightmares that I had trying to do Fortify specifically, like in a DevOps style pipeline for a financial years ago um, that, you know, Like we couldn't, we couldn't actually block builds. We couldn't actually like get it to run successfully, right? Like with any, any degree of certainty enough that I was comfortable as a developer turning it on and giving all the results back to a developer. I I just couldn't do it. Right. Um, And I, and I know that kind of leads into, you know, what is going on now in both of your lives. Right. Um, But I'm, I'm interested to hear like, you know, where you made that jump, like what was it that, you know, that took you into, okay, now, now it's time like to figure something new out. Um, why, why did you go there? Yeah. I, I think it's a stream that I've felt for a long time. In fact, when I've told people recently, I'm like, Hey, you know, starting a company with Ken and they're like, Oh, you, you've, you've always cared about like developers and security, you know, working together. Right. Cause that we have, we have this like mass silosization problem where it's like, you'll have a hundred mm-hmm. developers to like one security person right and it's like and so you, you don't you can't figure out there's no other way to scale that than like to to add the, the right tooling and kind of like help kind of cross boundaries and try to like be doing some of those same problems that we did whenever we had like 10 developers to one operations person in devops right so we just have like a we have a 10x problem um 
to make the jump to DevSecOps, whether you like that term or not, it doesn't, doesn't yeah. matter. But like, but the, um, but like our initial, you know, land grab of like DevOps of like, we're now going to do this thing and operations are going to do the ad, agile practices, like to now bring security into that. It's just going to be a lot harder. Um, and it has been for people. And I, I, I realize that not everybody believes this whole like developers care about security thing. Every developer I've worked with uh, has like, no one says like, I would like to write yeah. poor quality code that's like very vulnerable. And like, I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to have problems with like, we, we all know that. Right. And um, I think we see a testament to like how well um, some of these things like depend about or whatever have been because where developers know that like they're relying on other people's code, putting that in their system. Uh, that that's a problem, right? I want, I want to know like what's going on under the hood um, with that. So I feel like those, those kind of are the things we're realizing like, yeah, no developers do care about security. I'll tell you this. Okay. Here's the crazy thing, Seth. I don't know. I think I've told Ken, I think I've told you this, but um, at RSA uh, uh, this year, this year uh, and in the kind of like the startup showcase thing, there's one of the startups and they kind of like offhandedly, you know, make some derogatory, you know, like, I'm like, you're a startup, like you're supposed to be like, you're making derogatory comments about developers and how they're no good at security and stuff like that. And I'm like, I feel like, where, like, like you could have like pulled somebody from a decade ago and put them on stage and like, like we would have been saying the same thing. And I'm like, how, is that really how far we've come? And I feel just that, um, I think we just have a lot of work ahead of us to do because it, it there's that, um, we have an amplified siloization problem. We also have like uh, where in, a, in an IT department where you had DevOps, it's like the operations people maybe like reported through like a different reporting chain. Well, like a lot, I mean, y'all know, sometimes security could be reporting through finance or where, right? It's like, you have no idea in an organization. So like, it's like, we, we only, we have like all this separation of stuff, right? And then security means so many things to so many different organizations. It's like, okay, the people who get the compliance stuff to happen, or it's the people who do like a real application security program or, or whatever. Um, I, there's this quote, Steve Belovin says, it's like, we've, uh, uh, security slows things down and the breaches haven't gotten any better. He says it more eloquently because, you know, of who he is but yeah um, like it's like okay like uh that's um yeah that makes a ton of sense right like we're still having problems and like we're we're still like not increasing uh you know overall code velocity we're still increasing overall cycle time mm -hmm. uh, that's a problem and so like that we can't we can't do that and uh, i through the process of kind of starting dry run security uh, Ken and I have talked to some developers and people and it's like, you start, you start hearing little stories about like how people are like, yeah, well the secure SDLC, see, we try to avoid, the people will say this, we try to avoid this because, you know, like it's really slow. So like, and so then what, what's happening, right? So now developers are on the back end doing, uh, doing a lot of batching of changes and like batching of changes is like, you know, not a good idea, right? Like that goes against all the lean and agile flow stuff we've been trying to do for, for forever, right? Y'all, y'all know this, but yeah. but all these compromises start happening, and like we have the the inverse incentives starting being applied to to the developers, to the security team. So there has to there has to be a way for this to like to to move forward. And so um, whether you call it you know DevOps, DevSecOps, however, but like there there needs to be uh, that that you know merging of where like we're actually able to care about the same stuff together, seeing each other as the same part of that same business. So. I agree. And I don't think it's just the, the tooling. I think it's, it's, 
so security is to the point where now people recognize OWASP ironically as OWASP is having some its moment right again uh and continues to and it probably always will you know it's a big organization but in any case that that barrier you know awareness that's that's over the we're over that but then you know forget the tooling and like it being for a lot of de devs like kind of nonsense like the, the output is like it's like oh, okay uh yeah i have maybe some finding here but like then i kind of need to know is that exploitable i don't know that i don't have that skill set so then what did we start doing we said well oh, here i got it we're gonna give you training yeah the training's awful <laughs> the training's not good i mean a lot there not to say that there aren't like i really do training. like what secure code warrior does what's that i said there's some good training out there Mm -hmm. There is some good training. Yeah, and you get it from James. No, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. But uh no, there is some decent training and it's all improving, but yeah. it's far and few between, right? And even then, in that case, like take a uh take a secure code warrior. Um thankfully now they offer the the whole you can customize your content. Um, but in the early days it, it wasn't very cu custom, so you had and this is true for a lot of the, the, the cheat sheets out there, for a lot of the tutorials, um, just general security guidance. It's all very, it, and it has to be, right? It has to be somewhat generic because you're covering a wide swath of things. But the reality is every uh, insert dry run training. No, we don't have a training. Sorry. Uh, but uh, if we did, you know, no. Uh, so, you know, whether, so yeah, on the training front, it's kind of been, um up until now there haven't ha haven't been like a ton of great platforms that really hit uh developers where where they need to be um you know in terms of going back to the the, the cheat sheets and guidance or even just you know taking a, a different approach maybe working more with the folks that are um and, and some develop security folks do this so i don't want to say this has never happened it's for sure happened but you know some of the frameworks that are out there could use like more security love to to help make things a little, the patterns a little bit more secure or or whatever it may be that um can prevent these vulnerabilities but so i guess what i'm trying to say is i think the interest is there i think the awareness is there um but whether it's training or it's online materials or it's tooling or whatever it might be i actually think security to date has done um kind of a poor job and on that note as well i just did want to add to one thing that i i think i mentioned to you james this or maybe set, I, I'm not sure if I talked to either of you about this, but one thing that kind of cracked me up, speaking of RSA, is when you go to that floor, every single company had the word um, secure this or secure that or feel secure. It's all about feeling secure. Mm -hmm. And in the reality of like any of this for the listeners, for, I mean, I think everybody can agree that we're really not ever feeling secure. There's never like a point where anybody who does this professionally feels like things are secure. So I don't necessarily understand the pitch there anymore. Um, it seems overloaded. It seems like you're, it, it almost reminds me of the, the South Park uh, episode where they're the, the, like the, it, what is it like insecurity or something like that? Uh, that where it's literally just like this security company, the security company is called insecurity and it's just there to make people feel better. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I don't want to make people feel better. I want to, I think, I think we need to be focusing on a different thing. I don't know if that's like risk reduction. I don't, I really, I really don't know what it is, but I don't think using the, that for feeling in the term secure is, is adequate. So anyways, those are, those are some of my, my thoughts on there. I don't know if either of you disagree, agree, any of those points you want to 
slightly tweak. No, I, I, I mean, I do agree, right? Like from, from a, you know, a base level, like security's always been about, right? Uh, like feeling like you're ahead of where you need to be and you're not going to get hacked, right? Like that's mm-hmm. a lot of the tooling that's out there, a lot of the stuff that we've put into place. Um, like even some of the metrics like that, you know, and I I, honestly, like this is in this, that most recent talk that I've been giving about like modern versus old school, like vulnerabilities and what kind of like the state of AppSec over my career. But that's one of the things that I bring up is that, you know, what do the security tools produce and who is the consumer of what they produce? And it hasn't been developers in the past. It hasn't been, you know, custom or, you know, for an application. It's been this wide swath of, oh, well, we prevented 500,000 attacks against our website because someone was unmapped scanning us, right? Like, and so like, we've got this nice blinky green, like we secured everything. So you should feel great about what you've done and all the money that you spent on our tool because of this big green check that we gave you. When in reality, you've opened up the hole to your website, you have all these other problems and the tool has no awareness of what's actually going on inside the application, but it's all about who is the audience. And I think you're still seeing that, Ken, at RSA, is the audience for most of the tools is how can I produce a dashboard or some sort of filling and invoke a, you know, a blanket to a, a security blanket to the, the, the management that they're doing a good thing, right? So... Yeah. Ironically, I, too, I, I do want to point out it's not at all part of your point, but the dashboard thing cracks me up since the number one thing that we hear and I think everybody can agree on is that the dashboards are the things that usually you don't care about at all. It's usually the API and the actual data itself that you tend well, it to depends. Care, care about. Again, it depends yeah. on who you talk to, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. That's true. That's true. Yeah. The people signing audience? the checks. Yeah. The, the people chining, signing the checks need something out of there. And so like the security people and the developers will tell you that, oh, we want the API, we want the data, we want to load it into our SIM or whatever else. But where does that end up at the end of the day? It ends up in a dashboard or a presentation a that goes to the board. Yes, it does. It yeah. ends up in a different dashboard. And so like the audience at some level are the people that sign those checks. And that is the, sec- that is the filling that you've got to induce um, and so on the flip side of that, right, like I, I start to think about how do you induce that feeling? How do you actually give developers and security people that same level of assurance? Um, and it starts with, I, you know, I, like I don't know, you know, we haven't necessarily talked about this yet, right? Like, but it starts with knowing the, the, the context of what that developer or what that environment actually is in order to give, uh, you know, to give the feedback that is really relevant, security relevant to those people. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. a pretty great segue. Yeah, we it haven't is. Gotten I, into I, it yeah. Yet. We haven't got, we got about six minutes left and we haven't even talked about contextual security analysis. Security analysis. And I think, yeah. well, it is. I mean, that, that's, yeah, we've been, we've, we've kind of danced around it. We've talked about the issues that are out there. And I know that was the, like you guys bringing that up at the, um, at the the happy hour, right? Like that's the first time. And I know like it came up more and more and it's starting to be become more of a term, but this idea of contextual security analysis really fits with what we're trying to do nowadays, right? Yeah, yeah. I think once you once you kind of break from that mindset of either, you know, I like how you're saying like security blanket, but then also like you could 
people sometimes will say like security theater or like kind of like security mm -hmm. it's like you know uh, on off you know binary thing or like it's you know solved or whatever and and um i i i think because we we've come from some of those um the background of where like the we have this this still kind of mythical magical packet that can like come and like just take over our entire network you know and we certainly saw some some you know weird networking things you know 20 years ago right that would do stuff kind of like that right um but where are we now and like how does application security work and how does this sort of how does it deal with uh um you know, the, the changes we make, like there's a, there's a process, there's a flow to it, right? There's a, as you're, as you're making changes to your application, like who's best suited to know, like, Ooh, you've kind of changed some sensitive code paths or the way you changed auth or the way you're dealing with these functions or, well, you're using this like uh, templating language or parser that like, we didn't really, we don't expect you to or, or whatever. So we start thinking about these changes and Ken and I've been kind of talking about this and thinking about it. I know the industry at large has been, you see the word security context show up more and more. Uh, people are talking about that. And it's it's giving that context to the people who are best suited to make the changes and do something with it, the developers, um, and put it in, in a way that like makes sense to them. That's not like, oh, you have CVE, you know, 1073 or whatever, right? It's like, it's like no, it's like you, you like put it in a way to say, like, you, you added just a few lines here, but you know that like 23 new routes got added to your, your code. Like, did, was that expected, right? Or, hey, you're touching a, a, a part of this code base that's like really hasn't been modified for a while, right? Or um, maybe we can give some background on that and show some brittleness of the, of the, of the, the system. Or, um, you know, we, we think about like the, that you're touching some code paths that, you know, are, are, are critical, right? Or, um, and, and, and then we're also able to do some of the static stuff and some of the dynamic, you know, pieces or kind of work with those tooling, but kind of paint like a, a fuller picture for uh, the, the developer as they're writing code. Like, yeah, that, that, that's what we think of as contextual security analysis, being able to do that um, during that process. Yeah, I, I, like, yeah I'm excited to see it. Oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Ken, yeah, a lot of data. No, no, no. I was just saying, yeah, there's a lot of lot of other information, um, yeah, that we can glean about things outside of just, you know, a single data data point. There's many data points you can pull from to give the yeah. full complete picture. Yeah, and have it. I mean, having access into that sort of analysis. I, I mean, as a as a consultant, right? Like trying to step into code bases as well. It'll be interesting to see what uh, like what you guys can provide because I, I'm like I'm always struggling on how to level up and provide that sort of contextual analysis to mm. to developers right um, like I recently attended a conference um, at, so I was in Europe and I'm talking to them about where they're at with their like appsec programs and it it, it, it was discouraging to hear that most of the security companies over like at least that these individuals were dealing with and these organizations were still at the level of, oh, right. It looks like you have SQL injection, go fix that. Right. Like yeah. not even right. Like, oh, what are the routes involved? How do we go about that? What is the framework that you're using? Like the, the same sort of recommendations that we've been trying to give for a long time as outsiders, at least in the AppSec space, like, you know, Ken and I, as we've been consulting over the years, we've tried to do that, but without the sort of low level, like, code access that I know you guys are working on, it's yeah. very difficult to get to that that sort of a recommendation. So it's going to be interesting to see what you guys 
what you pull out, where you start and, you know, what you can actually do at that level. Um, I mean, you know, how do you feel like your, the response has been with it? I know you're working with some, some companies as you build things out. How has the response been from those companies and those developers for what you've provided so far? Yeah, yeah. Just just this weekend we got. Uh, I we didn't even talk about this ahead of time, but it's like just this weekend. Yeah, we got good feedback from uh, one of our early customers that like we found a lot of interesting stuff in some parts of their code base that they're not. Uh, they don't make a bunch of changes in that often, um, and it was it was really like really kind of glowing feedback. And I was like, oh, this is this is good. So, um, and we're in that we're in that early phase where we're working with uh, companies. If you have an AppSec program or, or uh, you're trying to sort out like where, um, you know, how, how to do this kind of stuff, or you're interested in the idea of contextual security analysis. Like we're working with uh, companies on that in kind of this early phase to help um, see what kind of value we can show. And especially like you mentioned, uh, sometimes the messier the code base, uh, the better, right? Cause then we can really um, surface some information that, that um, you wouldn't have really had otherwise. And I feel like that was, uh, that was a lot of the feedback we're getting from uh, one of our early customers here. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, along those lines, right. Um, you know, what languages and frameworks are you concentrating on first? Like if people are interested in signing up for like an early alpha beta, um, yeah. Like, you know, what, what sort of, yeah. What sort of feedback do you need on that or how can they go about it? Yeah. We, we work with people that are using GitHub, um, for like for their code, uh, you know, version control and, and repositories. So, uh, so we can hook there. Um, we do generic, uh, we'd have some generic adapters that can work for, uh, you know, most of the modern languages uh, that's looking for like some of the code path stuff and some of the other pieces we mentioned. Um, but then we can go really deep on uh, like node applications, particularly express uh, and then some other JavaScript uh, TypeScript stuff. We, we believe we can transfer to it pretty uh Easily, and we, we've had some like early tests that show some pretty remarkable, you know, stuff on some of the in kind of our lab environment. So uh, we are looking for people that, um, whether you have Node or not, um, you know, we're interested in like chatting to see like how can we help you, what can we find, um, kind of run run in your uh, uh, in your GitHub uh, as a GitHub action, and like we'll we'll see what we find for you. Cool. cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, yeah, I've posted the website cause I do want to push people that direction, right? Like it's, you know, um, it'll be, you know, like I said, you know, as a, you know, as a third party, like consultant, like when I go into a lot of these organizations, we're always looking for ways to, uh, you know, to up that game. So, uh, we'll keep pushing it along and, have, uh, unlimited access to it, Seth. So it's yours. Okay, sweet. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, I wonder if I can find a guy that, that knows about it, but yeah. So, um, yeah, sweet. I'm going to be speaking. Yeah. yeah, I I did want to mention, uh, could you just fill people in on where you're going to be next for the next few conferences? Oh yeah. Yeah. The next thing I'm going to be at is at uh, developer week. Uh, I think that's like August 15th, 16th and, uh, out in the San Francisco, uh, uh, Bay area. Uh, so that'll be, that'll be fun. Um, you're, you're going to be at DEF CON, right? So it'll be, that's coming up pretty yeah, soon. Yes. Um, I think we're trying to think of, I think we're trying to look at doing some get together, happy hour or something there too. So we'll, we'll figure that yeah, out. The one, one at RSA was really a lot of fun. Thanks for everybody who came out to that. We, we really enjoyed that. So yeah. Yeah, yeah it was it was a good time. And yeah, thanks for, thanks to Dry Run for sponsoring that, right? Like, I, Oh yeah, yeah, we're happy to. 
Yeah, it was, it was great. Uh, you know, bring the um, t-shirt cannon uh, for the next uh, the next one, right? Yes, book cannon. Yes. Book cannon. We're going a different book, direction. A book cannon. Book cannon. <laughs> yeah, I should have That was a bad idea. Sorry, <laughs> this is now a dry run book cannon plug spot. So uh, we're, we're uh, yeah. We're, I know we we also you're doing um, AppSec USA too. Yeah, in okay. October. Great. So that'll be a good one too. Yep. Yeah, out be, here in DC, so he'll be coming out to our well, my neck of the woods. Yeah. Your neck of the woods, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sweet. Um, well, good. I know we've been going at you know for an hour. I want to make sure to be cognizant of everyone's time. Um, you know, is it, any final thoughts, James? Anything else you wanted to add um, before we we go ahead and wrap things up? Um, our lawyers do not support the book canon idea. And, uh, <laughs> i don't know i i have it on good authority that ken wants to do that now so yeah okay, yeah it's good we'll we'll uh we'll work on that uh we'll, we'll put that in the idea parking lot so yeah <laughs> all right y'all sweet um good then uh yeah thanks for joining us today good conversation good to you know get to know you better and your your background um and we have posted your your twitter handle but you are in slack if people are interested um, you know, we'll push in that direction and yeah. Kenny, Ken, any final thoughts for today? Oh, so thanks to, thanks to the listeners. Thank you to James and thank you to our sponsor, Redpoint. Yeah. A bunch of thanks. Thanks. Redpoint. Yep. Thanks everyone. And we will catch you all next week. Have a good one. Bye.